Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. In a world where podcasts need feedback from their listeners Uh in order to market themselves appropriately to advertisers. I'm listening. One listener has the power (laughs) to shape the future. That listener is you all right jake look can we you can you guys just please fill out this listener survey for us it would really mean a lot uh accept your destiny (laughs) take control it's in the info it's in the description of the podcast itself it'll only take a couple of minutes and it's confidential we'll take no emails or telephone numbers from you don't require an email you know what it's fine we can just do it You have the power. You are the force that will guide us. So once again, just click the link in the uh, show description uh, of this week's episode. You can find it in the podcast app. It's very easy. Okay, we're done here. Thank you so much. And uh, here's this week's episode. Hey everybody, it's your Princess Peach brawling ass bruiser, Holden McNeely. And it's me, your wave-dashing, double-shining, undefeatable Star Fox, Jake. Jake, I am so excited to do this episode. This has been a wonderful week for research. It's been uh, uh, not only just learning about like the making of uh, you know what some consider to be one of the greatest uh, games of all time, fighting games of all time, even though that's up for debate, whether it is a fighting game or not, um, which is kind of hilarious. And then also just really and more so the competitive scene and the evolution of this is, okay, let's set the table here, Jake. You ready to set the table? You got your, your plates, your knives, your forks, your cup, everything that a table is set with, Jake. Are you prepared uh, with all I'm of those sorry, things? I didn't get a, I didn't get water. I sorry. Get some water, Jake. It's going to be a lot. We're going to be setting up this table real no nice. No ice. Huh? It's one of those. It's where it's, we're living like peasants. Let's take let's take a nice little trip all the way back to last Sunday. Evo <laughs> 2018. All right. And I'm sitting there and I have it on on um, on a side screen. I'm playing some games on my screen and I look over and it's it's Smash Brothers Melee. And I'm watching this and I'm just just it all kind of clicks in. How in the fuck did a game that came out in what? 01? 01. 2001. How the fuck did a game that came out in 2001, how did it get to this point where it is alongside only other modern fighting games in the biggest fighting game competition on the planet uh, with a giant arena full of people watching these dudes play it? It is a game that is almost two decades old. That's fucking crazy, especially in the fighting game scene where really when the, you know, when the community moves on to the new game, they stick with the new game. 
and and I, I I thought to myself, and I had already you know, and I'd already seen the documentary that we'll talk about in a little bit. I'd already you know was abreast of these things, but it really just clicked in how crazy that is. And I I needed to know how how did this game survive up until this point? How did how did a game on the goddamn the GameCube with that weird controller? How the fuck? Did this game survive all the way to now? And 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 not just survive, but is literally has is still breaking records for the most entrance into a tournament. There that is, is nuts. I don't want to compare uh the competitive smash scene to uh to like uh basically this is it reminds me of a quote that has been misattributed to uh, Gandhi, I don't actually. It's Gandhi didn't actually say this, but it's, if you can't handle Gandhi at uh, his worst, you uh, can't uh, get him at his best. Is that uh, no, no, no? You're thinking of uh, Gandhi's other famous quote: um, "If you can't handle the heat, get out of my kitchen, ah, kiss my grits." Two eyes makes the world a blind guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the quote is: first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win." There you go. Forever, forever, as soon as like MLG was like a thing, as soon as competitive esports was like a burgeoning uh, uh, glimmer in people's eyes, everyone looked at the melee scene like there was like someone's crazy uncle at the uh, family gathering. Like, oh, there goes old melee plugging in their CRTs. <laughs> oh, there goes old melee making over the top promo videos as if they were professional wrestlers, even though every single one of them clearly is on the spectrum and trying to reclaim their shattered childhood after 9-11. Oh, there goes crazy old Melee with their wave dashing and L canceling. That's not how the game was supposed to be played. Hey, Sakurai, what do you think of these crazy old Melee players? And Sakurai's like, I I wish they would all burst into flames. And that's the other <laughs> thing. That's the other adversarial part. Not just the 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 uh, major league of gaming, the MLG yeah. taking them seriously, but Nintendo itself uh, is trying to continuously trying, to, trying to stop them at all costs. <laughs> it is literally like the greatest uh, a thorn in their ass. Is like no, play the new Smash. Get competitive with the new Smash. Stop playing this old Smash game. But they can't get them to stop, and I never want them to stop. It is so cool. It, it is so weird. It wasn't until this week. It literally took until this, the year of our Lord, 2018, that it finally snapped, and I finally was like, I get it. Mm. I get it. I get it. And I am so, like, my eyes are open. I actually, I, I don't know, just a random anecdote. Uh, when I was doing comedy in D.C., I uh, was friends with a guy named Mike Bledger, uh, very funny guy, incredibly smart guy, and uh, Brawl had come out, and everyone was, like, super hyped, and uh, we all went over to Mike's house to play Brawl, and, uh, you know, he brought his, like, old friend from college, and apparently he was, like, super into Melee. He, like, uh, taught a, like, for bonus credit, taught a, like, extracurricular course on how to play Melee, and... Um, after, like, you know, everyone played four-player, like, random fun goof-em-ups, Mike and his friends finally started playing one-on-one, -on -one, and they were just, like, really sad. And they were like, ugh, ew. Like, they were in physical pain playing Brawl. And we were just like, <laughs> 
And again, these were all dudes our age. We all played melee, but like not on their level. Right. And we did. We couldn't feel the difference. We were just right. like, oh, it's brawl. I mean, it's melee again. Or you know, it's it's Smash Brothers again. But now Wario can do the farty farts. Right. Like, right. Right. Oh, Meta Knight's pretty cool. And like they already knew. They already knew that like something purposely, special had been lost. Purposely had been stripped from the game. Not just some kind of accident. Not just a flub. Purposely removed to to keep the competitive scene down how crazy is that but let's let's i say we start with let's let's talk about that the the game itself and then this amazing competitive scene that this grassroots competitive scene that ended up exploding uh, uh all the way into uh evo modern day literally last sunday Th- three days ago, we will I was speak of it. gods and monsters in a little bit. But right now, let's go to maybe the most depressing sector of humanity that has ever existed Cow in the history laboratory? of time. No, no, no. I'm saying <laughs> forget, forget victims of genocide, forget slavery, forget what? forget every single person that has been uh, oppressed. <laughs> Jake, no. The worst. <laughs> Let's the, remember all those things and the people. The people who suffered the most in this <laughs> Why world. Why are you doing this to this show? <laughs> were fighting game fans who owned N64s. No, Jake, slavery is way worse than that. Uh, you say that, <laughs> but have you taking... ever played Flying Dragons? Oh, yeah, no. Why would I do that? Oh, Killer Instinct Gold. Is that the best we got? We Truly. remember the slaves, <laughs> and we, were, we we acknowledge that that happened as a terrible part of I our igno- history. Oh, okay. I, whoa, 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 whoa. I acknowledge slavery. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you were a fan of fighting games. 64 was worse. Because you couldn't get Marvel vs. Capcom 2. <laughs> I can't support any of this. No Virtua Fighter, no Tekken. <laughs> it was because dregs. The dregs of humanity. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's a okay, and a, a man named Masahiro Sakurai uh, was working at HAL Laboratory. Mas, uh, okay, so Masahiro Sakurai, also known as Lord Jesus God of of uh, Smash. I also, as uh, commonly referred to on the internet, Marshmallow Sakaboom, uh, Mangalanga, Sa- Sammy Dam, um, <laughs> headquartered in Chiyoda, Tokyo. Um, and I didn't realize this. Uh, maybe we talked about this before, but HAL Laboratory, H-A-L Laboratory, uh, each letter put them one step ahead of IBM. Yes. Uh, uh, it's I come up. HAL Laboratory has come up a lot of yes. times because even though you associate most of their accomplishments with Nintendo, they have, uh, they had been, and I think technically still are, an independent studio. Yes. And um, this is my question because they call... I never thought about this. We talk about first party games mm-hmm. and we talk about third party games, but Hal was second party games. Uh, what made it that? Uh, was it because they had a direct partnership with Nintendo and they exclusively made games for Nintendo? Is that what made them a second party situation? You know what I mean? Um, I mean, it's still officially independent. I think second party games are like licensed out but not made in house. Okay. I think, technically, exactly. I, don't know. Right. I think that they, it was because they were beholden, mm-hmm. uh, my name intended in there, uh, to just Nintendo. Uh, and it's also the place where Masahiro Sakurai. Making mostly, uh, they were also making games for um, the uh, MSX, MSX, Commodore, VIC. But uh, uh, Sakurai creates a little-known character that's actually very well-known called Kirby at age nineteen. Yeah, once again, I feel like a lot of times when we talk about these legendary Japanese developers, they just got a lucky break out of high school and happened to like have that particular energy at a very clutch time in Japanese game development. Uh, the goal of Kirby was specifically to kind of 
undercut the Nintendo hard aesthetic. Oh, I was talking to you about that the other day, right? I, yeah. I felt like because I was actually listening to the Giant Bomb guys wonder, marvel at like... I've been replaying Kirby All-Stars. That's how I came that's up. That's how it came up, right? I think we talked about it during our monthly roundup, uh, which is our uh, uh, one of the episodes, bonus content we put out for our Patreon. Five bucks a month. Ah, <laughs> you into it? Huh? Any takers? Uh, but we were just talking about how Kirby, you know, the giant bomb guys are kind of marveling at like what, who is Kirby for uh, and or why it is because it's so easy and it's such a just fun romp. But um, that is because I remember as a kid, it was that one game that on a long car ride or whatever, you could pop it in and play it all the way through and beat it and feel satisfied with that in a, in a situation where, especially on Game Boy, but definitely also on Nintendo, on the NES, uh, you it was just... You just every platformer just got obscenely hard after a while. Whereas Kirby was just like, ah, I can just I'm a little kid. I want to just put this game in and just bounce around and have fun and fight these bosses. And, you know, it was very visually enjoyable. So, yeah, I feel like it's a little lost to today, whereas Kirby titles don't really do as well anymore. And I think it's because you don't really need those anymore. I mean, they make Mario games like that now. So it's uh, actually I I dove deep. Uh, Yeah, you you found the difficulty. Oh, what were you going to say? Source Gaming is a very clutch website, similar to Shmuplations, that they do a lot of translations of Japanese interviews. And uh, Sakurai actually talks about Kirbyisms and the things that make like a, his that kind of forge his design philosophy. Don't you think games these days people tend to get bored with them? Like I wouldn't play this game that much. I don't know if it's some sort of strategy to like combat reselling used games, but mechanics like being forced to play an exorbitant amount in order to progress, or not being able to get certain items or abilities until you play through a certain amount. Um, those games are designed to appeal to the most hardcore gamers at the top of the pyramid. But I think it's more important to aim for within the population of people who play video games, the people who are at the bottom. Well, it's rude to say it that way, but the players at the base where it's wider, people who on a basic level don't really care as much about games, that audience, you would probably call them the family audience, having something that appeals to them so they can play is vital, I think. There you go. So from the beginning, Sakurai always had an appreciation for the bottom of the pyramid. The idea that like games are a pleasant experience, a good experience, and if you have something that more people can enjoy, it will make a better game. Right, right. And 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 I agree on many aspects to that to that sentiment. So he makes Kirby's Dreamland for the Game Boy. He goes on to make Kirby's Adventure for the NES and Kirby's Superstar for the SNES around 1998. Sakura gets an idea to ha- make a fighting game for four players. Uh, and he he's he's kind of dabbling with this idea, and he creates a presentation. Um, well, well, there's there's like, le- oh, okay, there's, yeah, okay. You got, so- you'll have to slow me down because, by yeah. the way, uh, not to pull back the curtain too much. Jake, I think, really has a better handle on this the the kind of evolution I of the game. I went down a have, Sakurai Saku hole. I love that because, ooh, yeah, Saku mm-hmm. hole. Yeah, did you meet any fun little snakes in there? Yes. And uh, I have a better handle on the evolution of like the the community and all that kind of stuff, the fighting game, the competitive aspect. So, Jake, take it away. So another the next half an hour of talking is yours. Uh, another. <laughs> So, okay, HAL Laboratory is this legendary uh, company besides Sakurai. The other main uh, uh, creative force there was a, was a guy you probably heard of, uh, Satoru Iwata. And Iwata has come up Doesn't a lot of times. 
<laughs> you son of a bitch, don't you dare besmirch. I may have made fun of slavery, but don't you <laughs> dare besmirch <laughs> Satoru Iwata. Uh, Satoru Iwata, a legendary programmer, a beloved figure within the Japanese game dev community. Uh, he died a couple of years ago. He was the head of Nintendo. Uh, but he was also, uh, I think he was the head of HAL Laboratory at the time. And HAL had been just like pumping out Kirby sequels and spinoffs, uh, doing a lot of work on the Pokemon series, Pokemon Pinball, Kirby Tilt and Turn. Um, and uh, both of those, Awada and Sakurai, were very eager to do something different. They were very eager to just like break out of the mold a little. And um, they wanted to, you know, the the kind of the kind of horizon, the un the unsettled land on the N sixty four was fighting games. And so they uh, kind of played around, like, what does the N sixty four have that can make for an interesting fighting game? Well, they have this analog stick that's new that you can kind of like tilt and flick and do all these cool things with. And they has four controller ports. That's pretty cool. So, like, what can we do with a video game that's like based on directional inputs and like can feature four players? Mm. And uh, the prototype that they create was called. Kakuto Gimo Ryo, Dragon King, the fighting game. Um, this was a this was like a this was a weird little uh, bit of bit of business. Uh, all you'll find Dragon King fighting game like all over the place. Like, oh, what a goofy name. The fact is, uh, Ryo uh, does mean dragon, but it was also the name of the neighborhood that Hal Laboratories was located in. Ah, oh. and because they could because this was like a hodgepodge like uh, quick prototype where like. Sakurai was doing like game design and like building the assets and Iwata was uh, programming it both on off hours uh, for the background. Sakurai just took a quick cheapo digital snapshot of his name of the, like the view out of his window. So it was like fighting game, our neighborhood, <laughs> the fighting game. So uh, that's why it was called Dragon King, because it's just a weird double pun. Mm. Uh, and they like it. They thought it was super fun. But. Sakurai knew something very important. And like I said, it was bleak <laughs> for fighting games on the N64. The, the fighting games do not sell very well. Is that the thing he knew? Uh, especially a new fighting game yes. without an arcade presence to establish it. Let's see, where are we at? 1998. I mean, what? Street Fighter 2 is already on fire at this Street point. Street Fighter 2 is on fire. Tekken is out. Um, SNK is doing its thing. But yeah. it's definitely all about the arcade scene, right? And right. very little about the console. So, I mean, definitely the console games were out and kids were playing them, but that, that wasn't really where fighting games really, really uh, excelled. It was more like, it was more of, in that social scene uh, uh, outside of the Mortal house. Mortal Kombat uh, kind of... But think about all the, all the copycats. Think of all the hangers on. Think about fucking eternal champions and yes. how like you were a kid and you picked up the box I will full of definitely these. think about eternal champions as i definitely had that game as a kid so remember that fucking cover art with the goddamn like just who's who of nobody's on the cover like there was no reason for anyone to pick up that game because they had no experience with the gameplay and they had no emotional connection with these characters right no matter how extreme or how like weird you made it you just had these like knockoffs and sakurai knew Innately, because he was already like this in tune with what people kind of wanted from games. Again, bottom of the pyramid was his like going um, idea was that. So if we needed to launch a new fighting game, we needed recognizable characters. And the only recognizable characters that we could put on a Nintendo game are Nintendo characters. So without permission, he added four Nintendo characters to his prototype. Mm. Uh, I believe it was Samus. 
uh, Mario, Donkey Kong, and Fox. And Fox, yes. Absolutely, Jake. You are the wisest one. And, uh, you know, it was a new kind of fighting game. Instead of wailing on people to uh, get their health bar all the way to zero, the health bar was just kind of a general indicator. And, like, you could... The real goal was to kind of knock them off the screen. And the higher your percentage, the more likely a hit was going to knock you off the screen. And unbelievably, Nintendo approved of it. But under the condition that, you know, this is kind of off-brand, so uh, we're going to just only release it in Japan. The game was made in like a couple of months with a really small team. Have you heard of uh, the 1995 Namco game, The Outfoxies? I have heard of the Namco. I only know because Super Best Friends just did a Saturday Scrub. Really? About is it, yeah. that real? Oh, interesting. Well, you should. So did you watch it? Yeah, yeah. It's super crazy. Did you notice how similar it was to Smash Brothers? Uh, it was a little bit different, but uh, it definitely was... different. But a, an arena fighter. It has large stages for two players on a platform to jump around on with different weapons. Not and just everything. platforms, like a sinking ship, uh, yes. like a, a, a natural, like a but building like, in the middle of an earthquake. Much more like interactable, but also it has that thing where it goes really wide when they're very far apart, and then it closes in on them closer when they're together. It had. It looks way. Way more like Smash than it does like, you know, uh, the other standard fighting games of the time. Yeah. Definitely noted it's an unspoken influence on Smash. And if you are curious, definitely check out the Outfoxies because it has a really cool style and it really does look like a predecessor to you the Smash You can play series. as a chimp. You can play as a chimp. And an old man in a wheelchair. There you go. So what else do you need? Um, <laughs> the game comes out in Japan. Uh, so Smash Brothers. Amazing. Super Smash Brothers. Uh, the game does a lot of weird things. Uh, you know, the focus on environmental hazards, the four-player action, the even by Nintendo, even by N64 standards, the graphics are real, like, blocky and yeah. real low res. And that was to keep the frame rate up because one of the things that, again, shitty Nintendo fighting games were so sluggish usually. Yes. And they managed to keep this thing at a real brisk 60 FPS. So you've got Mario, Donkey Kong, Link, Samus, Yoshi, Kirby, Fox, and Pikachu as the original eight characters on the roster with five secret unlockables, Luigi, Captain Falcon from F-Zero, Ness, and Jigglypuff. Um, and so all of those are either Nintendo or second party characters from HAL Laboratory, essentially. Um, all, all of those are included in the original N64 game. Did you play much of the N64 game? I played it, but it didn't leave as big of an impression on me. It just, you know, my one friend had it. We just kind of like bopped around for a second. Uh, I remember being the shallow kind of kid that was like, oh, these graphics kind of suck. That's not uh -huh. what like Pikachu. Why does Pikachu look like a like a lumpy, jagged potato? And like just kind of. And again, the edge. It didn't have the edge. It didn't have the edge. It was. It came out at a time. But I do remember it did have a little bit of edge. You remember the commercial for it? Me and you, you and you for me. me. And then they no just start beating the shit out of each other in that field. That was pretty cool. And that was definitely it's one of the edgier Nintendo uh, commercials out there. I think. Um, but yes, so that is the N64 Smash. Also, full disclosure, I, I'll, I'll say it now. I'm sorry I didn't say it in the beginning of the episode. I have never really played much Smash. At all. Uh, I played, I vaguely remember playing some, might have even been Brawl. I don't even know if I ever even touched Melee. Um, it just wasn't really my thing. I, I What I, were you doing in your dorm room? Uh, I We were playing, God, I think we were playing Street Fighter EX Lair, first of all. <laughs> first of all. Uh, uh, I, I, I 
didn't really do the Nintendo with a bunch of friends thing. It just didn't happen for me. Same thing with Halo. Like, I had friends who were playing it, but, like, I wasn't in the group of people. Like, the games I were playing really up until uh, just maybe a few years ago were very not competitive. I was into single-player games. I was playing, what, Metal Gear 2, uh, I believe, and things like that, Final Fantasy X. I was into single-player story games. And never really just never really got into a scene. Melee is nothing without a scene. Like mm-hmm. what you need for melee is a scene. Like it, it like any like a lot of uh, comp- you know any competitive game. But really, you need three friends who all they want to do is play melee. Oh, you mean like me and my three roommates? Yeah, <laughs> freshman year of college. Yeah, cause where this... we all had a game. Where that GameCube just never turned off. Yeah, like Smash was just there on call. Wow. And like we would be like in the middle of like doing our own things like you know it's it's college you need to study and you need to work on your other activities you need to like not fail and then just like someone else in like the room across the hall would just knock on the door and just be like smash and like <laughs> we'd all just rise as one just be like smash <laughs> <laughs> who was your main uh oh god I, I think i liked i think i liked link a bunch okay. that's a very basic yeah. uh like scrub choice right um and then i uh, did a lot of ganondorf because again that's another basic choice. i'm not a smart man <laughs> this is something you liked oh, the zelda so you chose the zelda characters yeah but like specifically those two smash uh, smash brothers uh almost more so than any fighting game uh uh, you know, we talk about how fighting games are this like it's literally chess with muscles because, you know, it's all about positioning and ex- and anticipating your opponent's move. And th- that's what chess is, but much slower mm-hmm. uh, and with extra layers of rock, paper, scissors on top of every decision, micro decision you're making at the same time. It's incredibly intense. Yes. And I picked the two dumbest, slowest, most <laughs> doofy characters. My brain is not. A good break. So you were not like the top dog of your crew. That was there a person in your crew that like uh, it would shift was clearly the best because uh, one person would make would it to learn. the top, someone else would get pissed off, and then like when no one was train, looking, yeah. they train. They train up. Yeah, that's the way it's got to go. So, do, are we good on? Can we get into melee? We can get into melee. Ooh, so this is one of the first games released on the GameCube, and it was made over in a development cycle of over thirteen months. Sakura Sakurai rather has referred to his lifestyle as quote-unquote destructive during that time Uh, he even collapsed after the orchestra finished recording Sakurai has this to say the day after I was put on an IV at the hospital I feel like people might make assumptions if I don't clear up what happened so I'll talk about it I was visualizing the opening movie in my head and listening to the orchestra perform in the studio I was checking whether the music and visuals aligned going this matches this is off this is right this is wrong in real time and I was concentrating very hard because the movie would have to be edited according to my notes I had to make snap judgments every moment about how to make adjustments when the music and visuals didn't line up just right and it was exhausting so he literally, uh, and, and by the way, this was in a four-hour period. He literally thought himself into passing out. He was concentrating so hard this, about this opening sequence that he fucking <laughs> dropped cold. The first game was kind of an afterthought, kind of a fun little experiment. This game was going to be one of the, as I don't know if it was officially a launch title. Maybe it was a launch launch title in Japan, and it took a second to come out in America. But it was one of the bigger marquee games to come out for the GameCube. Which was again, uh, you know, it was the GameCube itself was a little bit late to the party for like the you know 128 bit 
whatever uh, uh, generation of games. So Nintendo banked hard on this. He had a massive staff, a lot of money, you know, worked with a bunch of CGI animators, uh, had this, you know, created all this content and it nearly broke him. Um, again, he's talked a lot about this. Uh, with the original N64 Smash Brothers, there was no guarantee the game would be... This is Sakurai talking. Uh, there was no guarantee the game would be well-received at all. I had my hands full just trying to make it into a completely new sort of fighting game I had in mind. With Melee, though, the previous game did well enough that Nintendo and the character designers knew what I wanted in advance, and I wanted a lot. It was the biggest project I had ever led up to that point. The first game of mine on disc-based media, the first that used orchestra for music, the first with real polygon graphics. My staff was raring to go, and we plunged in full tilt from the start. I pushed myself beyond any limit I could think of because I doubted I'd ever have this sheer amount of work in my hands ever again. I'd work for over 40 hours in a row, then go back home and sleep for four. Yeah. Crazy shit. I mean... He put himself all the way as far deep into it as possible, and I guess that's what sh- makes it show for such a how it's so simple at first, but yet so complex if you get deep into it. And yet at the same time, he wasn't even trying to make it this deep competitive game. I mean, of that he says personally, I feel that if you want to play a fighting game seriously, there are other competitive fighting games that are more suited to that, and people like that could have fun playing those. If you play Smash Brothers seriously as a competitive game, the game itself has no future. If I wanted to, I'm sure I could make a more hardcore. Smash Smash Brothers game. I could make the game speed much faster, increase the number of inputs, and, but then beginners would no longer be able to play the game. When the game becomes more like a sport, a tool that more strictly rewards the player with more skill, the game tapers off more, like a mountain. Just like how a mountain tapers off into its peak. That area becomes more and more narrow. I mean, if you think about their other quote-unquote competitive games, like Mario Kart, for example, that's the kind of game, or Mario Party, for example, that's the kind of game <laughs> Nintendo's trying to make, where it's Essentially, you can be really, really good at the game and still lose at the end because of the way they balance it. Smash Brothers, as intended, might as well have been called Oops All Blue Shells. Yeah. Because everything from the items to the stages to the hazards to the Pokemon are all intended to throw people off of their like intense competition right. it becomes more about like adapting and improvising and just kind of giving in to like the like oh no oh that, that sucks like right. oh i'll get you next time i mean think about this if they hadn't take if they hadn't had the ability to turn off items that we probably wouldn't even be seeing this oh com- yeah. competitive situation but you even know in I mean? mario kart they know enough to let you turn off items right uh, now if you hadn't so you didn't you didn't play melee not much, not really. I mean, if I did, it's like a vague memory, like where I barely touched it. And it was one of those, because you know what it is? It's this. It's the kind of thing where you go to your buddy's house and everyone's playing a thing, kind of like my experience with Halo. And you're like, oh, cool, I'll sit down and try this. And you're just immediately awful. And everyone just immediately kicks your ass ruthlessly without even like trying to get you excited about the game. I'm not even talking competitive. you're just like, all right, I'm out of here. I know, but I'm just saying, like as a person looking at it coming in, I'm like, oh, well, this looks like a thing that... A, I don't have access to at my house. That B, I would need to practice a lot to get a lot better at. That C, I don't really you know care about on the outset. I'm sure though, if I had, I'm sure if I lived at a house with somebody who had Smash on GameCube, who you know was playing it all the time, and I just started picking up, I'm sure I would have a whole different story about Melee from a personal situation. But it is always fascinating. Hold it. Have you ever watched the opening cinematic? Uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought this up. Yes, but literally because of this episode. 
how hype is that opening cinematic? <laughs> it's incredible. And this was also, by the way, the showcase for the GameCube graphically. This was like that opening cinematic with that amazing score uh, just just totally is there to get everyone hyped up about what the GameCube could be capable of. Melee, that opening, se- the opening cinematic for Melee was the first time that Nintendo made a game that like looked the way Nintendo felt in our hearts. Yes. And the game itself was like, it kind of like, I I don't know how to, you know, these are all corporate mascots. These are all like IP properties owned by a mysterious Japanese card company. Uh, But still, it like made itself known as like an epic event. And that definitely carried through. And I feel like that, um, that that kind of that swell of like emotion and kind of nostalgia is what gave this game like that initial love bump needed to kind of like carry it into the competitive scene. Um, the uh, and just the 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 graphical jump from the original Smash Brothers to Melee. I don't like. I don't know if I'll ever feel that way again. Like maybe the first day they put in my virtual my augmented yeah. <laughs> reality contact lenses. Right. Maybe that's the first time I'll go like, wow, the future. <laughs> but until then, I don't know if I'll ever get that level of, of hype again. Plus, it had um, all these kind of things we take for granted, like unlockable trophies and like fun little bonus, uh, you know, uh, uh, statues and things you can like look up the the challenges to unlock. These were all like fairly new uh, kind of entries into the way we engaged with video games Mm -hmm. even you know like as soon as just the thing where you had to get like a certain number of matches in or like uh i remember each dorm room was in like a little bit of a race to unlock each character Uh uh-huh uh you know whoever had the full roster first would be like the the destination room to go into (laughs) um God, I'm just I'm frothing. I am yeah, this frothing is, I'm so with glad nostalgia. Ha- I'm man. so glad you have this because I this is what I cannot bring to the table is that is that nostalgia for this. You know what I mean? But I, what I have is in more of an outside looking in, and one of the best places to go because we're we're about to get to the competitive scene and the evolution of that. You must must one of the probably the I know best, you're sitting listening at home being like, when are they going to talk about mango? <laughs> I'm here for mango. <laughs> uh, probably. Maybe the best documentary about video games of all time. It's called The Smash Brothers. It is over four hours long. It is definitely the best esports documentary out there. It is very comprehensive, very entertaining. Uh, interviews from all sides of the scene. Wonderful archival footage from all sides of the scene. Just crazy stuff where you're like, wow, I can't even believe they, that that tape still exists of this smash competition that happened like in upstate New York in fucking, you know, 2003. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, and I, it's, oh. it's, it's, it's just an, it's an incredible doc and I highly recommend if it. If you're coming in from like baseline zero, another great video, if you already have that YouTube tab open, is uh, Things of Beauty, Super Smash Bros. as Spectator Sport oh. by Innuendo Studios. Okay. That really kind of like, like uh, going into it, I had no real knowledge of the uh, of the of this competitive scene. And by the end of that one, I was like, oh my God, AMSA versus Mewtwo King was the most definitive moment of my childhood. <laughs> I'm 34 years old, but it still counts, damn it. <laughs> so essentially what happens is Melee 
was completely a grassroots formed situation. Uh, Major League Gaming, the MLG, which had just kind of emerged, uh, wasn't taking it seriously. Nobody on any, like, you know, I mean, this is also at a time when esports is just becoming a thing at all. So it's already, you know, all right, they're playing, I think, what, Halo? Call, no, they're playing Counter-Strike. They're playing, um, of course, like Street Fighter, whatever like the newest Street Fighter is at that time. Maybe Mortal Kombat. I mean, there's just not. It's it's Doom, it's starting not to Doom, happen. You know, but Quake, Quake, Unreal. It's starting to happen, but it's still you know just getting loosely run, starting to be taken seriously. But even those people aren't taking melee seriously. Melee is starting to form around just different groups of kids who are starting to like. Uh, essentially just starting to get really good in their own local scenes and then starting to uh, talk shit on Smash World forums, which was uh, started in 1999 by 13-year-old Ricky Gideon Tilton. Are you talking um, about the Deadly Alliance? It's also, yes, I'm talking about the Deadly Alliance. Smash World forums, also known as Smash Boards, and through this, people started essentially talking shit enough to meet up in person. There was uh, different East Side crews. There was a crew of kids who circled around a, a guy named An, uh, Anson? Anson, right? Azen? Oh, Azen, my bad. I thought it was. I thought there was an N in there for some reason. There was a guy sort of uh, named uh, Azen that was known, uh, you know, in small circles as like the greatest, but they start getting um, kind of shit thrown at them from a group called the Deadly Alliance, which is like the fucking Wu-Tang Clan <laughs> of Smash Melee. They're a bunch of like dudes, like inner city dudes, like older dudes too, who talk mad shit that, you know, who are like, coming at it like kind of gangster you know what i mean like we're really kind of being intense and there's just these like little kids circled around this asian guy they're all like in fucking high school and shit like middle and high school they're like 14 um and they start meeting up and they start playing against each other and asian starts doing this stuff that uh or and both sides start doing this stuff that they never really heard of and these exploits start coming out on the scene, you've got wave dashing. Wave dashing is air dodging diagonally into the ground, causing the character to slide a short distance, which allows players to perform any ground action while moving horizontally in the ground. So it's like this move that wasn't even meant to be in the game that they figured out and started utilizing in the game. You also have dash dancing, which is essentially just rapidly tapping the analog stick left and right, which gets you to essentially just play mind games with the opponents with spacing to, to totally throw them off what they think you're going to do. And then you have L canceling or L button canceling or lag canceling or smooth landing, which is done by pressing the shield button seven frames or fewer before landing. You can also do this in the N64 smash, which causes the aerial attacks landing animation to play at double speed. Essentially, you land on the ground faster um, off of an aerial attack, and it is necessary to utilize these three components in competitive smash, or you are fucked. You are totally just going to well, lose. Literally, you have a. F it's it's ways to get frame advantages. It's yes. ways to get attacks out faster. And if you're playing against someone, uh, you know, I feel like so many uh, smash tournaments are littered with like random, especially during this era, random guys that were like the best in their dorm room, and then they come out to this yes. guy's uh, house in the Bronx. And just get schooled, <laughs> Because son. all of a sudden, they're like, and now I do uh, the fireball, and then I'm going to use my cape, and I'm going to turn him up. Oh, fuck! <laughs> how, oh, oh, lasers! Why is Marth in eight different directions yeah, around how is, me? How is he even doing what he's doing? And that's what's so phenomenal about this game, is that w what I realized, like, what is so great at the end of the day it's that 
people are still bringing new things to this game mm-hmm. and people are still showing up at tournaments and doing shit that makes everyone else go holy fuck what did that what was that even you know what i mean and finding ways to just work around the other stuff it, the the fact that it keeps evolving like the meta and everything almost 20 years into this game's release there was something that uh, j- i think i was maybe just a few years ago that like uh, there was like an additional uh, shield like exploit where your knockback is only like 95% of what it should be if you hold L at a certain point when you get hit. Hmm. Which, like, so again, crazy. doesn't sound like much, but a 5% advantage when like it's all about not getting knocked off screen. When you're is playing huge. the best people ever yeah. at the game, it will always be a huge advantage. So that's the East Coast, essentially, in a nutshell. Then you have the West Coast. You've got a guy named Matt Deasy, and he's really the one to thank at the end of the day, it seems, for how this ended up becoming taken seriously by the MLG and by the world at large. Uh, you, you pronounced his last name wrong. Matt, uh, Matt, not Matt Deasy, what is it? Deez Nuts. All right, please. Come on, Jake. Please, Jake. It's Deez Nuts. All right, Jake, please. Any more crude humor for this part of the podcast? I hear, I hear he had to quit because he had ligma. All right. <laughs> Well, he start Jake, please. I'm going to crawl under the table and punch myself. <laughs> he started hosting tournaments in Northern California, and this dude was a boss in the sense that he would open his door to anyone from around the fucking world <laughs> to come crash on his floor. He put set up tents in the backyard. He would house all of these kids coming from all over the place just to get this scene off the ground. He started a, a, a yearly tournament called Tournament Go. He was a regular Philip K. Dick. <laughs> yes, real Philip K. Dick. Started doing a lot of cocaine in those days. He would let anyone who show up crash there, like I said. And um, he starts hosting these things, and these you know people are starting to go back and forth, good or bad. And, they, and then this new guy just comes to, on the just scene. To, just to understand how proto this is, there's still a dispute whether or not items should be allowed in competitive so play. At this point on the West Coast, items are allowed in play in their tournaments, and that's why eventually, when the East Coast people go to the West Coast to finally like challenge the beef that they've been starting online, they end up after the first year of tournament, they they walk away going, "Doesn't matter, tournament doesn't count." because you guys use items, and that's bullshit. You can't use items. It adds too much randomness to the game, yeah. um, and which I believe is true. There's another guy who steps up onto the scene on the West Coast. His name is Ken Huang. He uh, gets into the this... King. The king of Smash. He ends up essentially one of those dudes who, as you described, who could beat all of his friends and thought he was the best, and so these guys hit him up uh, because he was talking a bunch of shit on the Smash boards. Like, alright, cool, then let's do a money match. And they come out, and he schools them. And they're like, okay, this guy's legit. Well, you gotta come to this tournament. You gotta prove yourself to be the best if you really wanna be the best. You have to win TG. Tournament go. So he does, and I believe it's the third TG Oh, no, uh, the fourth and the fifth TGs, he wins, and wins in a huge way. Another dude shows up uh, uh, in, in Tournament Go 6. That is when they actually get uh, Japan involved. Oh. Cap- Captain Jack comes all the way from Japan to stay at this dude's house and be awesome at Smash. Uh, it comes down to Captain Jack. Remember when we talked about the difference between uh, American Tetris and Japanese Tetris? 
<laughs> yes. That was the difference in Japanese Smash and American Smash. Well, what was cool, though, is Aizen actually does end up defeating Captain Jack in TG6. And that's when the East Coast starts calling Aizen best in the world. Like, everybody's, you know, which everybody's like, no, he's not best in the world just because he beat this one Japanese <laughs> dude in a tournament. makes him best in the world. But, you know, this is the kind of beef that this game was all about. And you got to understand the influence, especially, I feel like, of Deadly Alliance on Aizen's crew to talk mad shit when they're when they're playing each other like brought this kind of level like this kind of almost like you would see like on a basketball court or something like a blacktop basketball court you know what I mean and the sense it's just like mad shit talk getting into your opponent's head really changed the scene I think in a huge way and made it for better or for worse and this kind of is debated um, or talked about both positively and negatively, um, really made this a much more raucous, shit-talky, fucking in-your-face uh, tournament game. I, I feel like, like, yeah, I feel like I was watching clips from, like, 2016, and they were still using the word rape just to casually describe yeah, constantly. And, you know, I noticed that, too, and I was just like, yeah, but that's what, yeah, exactly. If, if you got destroyed at Smash, like, beaten bad, then you would refer to it as being raped. Which, um, like, on the one hand, like, guys, come on. Like, do you like if your whole thing is about how your game is unfairly maligned, like try and like make right. it more accessible. And on the other hand, like, of course, this ge- of course, that's the term when everyone proto formed around this game when they yes. were 13 yeah, to 19 of years course. old. I give them a pass. I give them I give them a stern letter. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. So, yes. Yeah, so Ken is rocking the scene, a.k.a. Sephiroth Ken, a.k.a. the King of Smash. Um, he's a Marth main, by the way, Marth from Fire Emblem, who is in Smash Melee, and he's really known for his mind games for his uh, the, the, using Marth, who is more of a spacing character, more of a character who's kind of trying to the, keep you at bay. The way to his actually sword, the way Marth in your works, face. Uh, the it's the edge of his sword does the most damage, and if you catch it like kind of close, if you're in fighting, he doesn't like he's not as effective. So yeah. you absolutely have to be at a very specific distance to be effective with Mark. But Ken would get aggressive with this character in a certain way that was almost counter to what he was designed for and really was succeeding greatly with that character. Um, and this is when we get into the golden age of Smash. Now, th- this is uh, 2004 to 2008. And it really is marked with the fact that it's getting so much hype around the country, around the world, that Major League Gaming adds Smash Melee to its tournaments. So uh, Major League Gaming, which is a pro esports organization headquartered in New York City, founded in 2002, um, they were the ones to have the first televised video game console gaming league in the U.S. Now that Major League Gaming has taken them on, the the prize pools are way bigger uh, there are way more tournaments happening all over the country. These kids start traveling all over the place. Uh, and in 2007, the MLG drops. Uh, oh, and then, but then by 2007, the MLG drops Melee from its tournaments. But Evo picks it up the same year. So they get into Evo um, right after that. And uh, uh, that, but that only lasts for uh, about a year because unfortunately for the Melee people, Smash Brothers Brawl comes out in 2007, um, and this is going to be me- like like the the great issue for Melee for a long time. 2008. To come. Um, now, 
What did it come? It technically came out in 2008. Uh, January 2008 in Japan. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, March 2008 in North America. Okay. Because it, by in 2008, um, Melee was not in any major tournament uh, for over a year because of Brawl. And people called this the Dark Ages. Now, I've skipped over quite a few big deal players from back in the day. Ken was the dude who sort of ran stuff. Um but I know there's a, uh, quite a bit of other characters um, uh, involved in these scenes than I've named. But really, a lot of it revolves around Ken and uh, Azen. There's also a uh, wife. There's um, and his actual husband, husband, husband. Uh, they called themselves the newlyweds. They were they were a force. Going back to Sakurai, this is an actual story that Sakurai has told in several uh, interviews. Uh, this one was from a uh, one in 2018 where it's actually him, Hideki Kamiya, and uh, Ueda, the uh, uh, Shadow of the Colossus guy. Sakurai was a huge fan of fighting games as a, as, a, as a young man. He loved Street Fighter. He played competitively. He won tournaments. He knows exactly what the thrill is of beating someone and, like, you know, conquering opponents and proving yourself to be the best. It's not like he didn't understand what the people wanted in Melee, or what the people were enjoying about Melee, it's that he didn't want Melee to be the source of that. He didn't want Smash to be that kind of game. I once sat down at a King of Fighters 95 machine to play against someone. I was landing jumping heavy punches, uppercuts, hien shipus, and zanretsukens. That's, uh, I think that's Ryo. Ryo does all those, is mm. the uh, art of fighting uh, karate style. Defeating my opponent with ease. And finally, I had a peek at who I was playing on the other side of the cabinet, and I saw a young girl. It was a young girl there with her boyfriend, and I thought, ah, I really screwed up. In this happy place, I just showed her how harsh games can be. What was I to do? After she lost, her boyfriend took her place, and, well, he was weak. After that, I vowed to always check my opponent first whenever I was barging into someone's game at an arcade. I made it a personal rule of mine to always use the utmost consideration for someone who was playing games for the first time. This is a slight digression, but during the golden age of fighting games, I pushed my youth to its limits and did stuff like winning 50 matches in a row in Street Fighter 2. So, like, he understood how, like, much of a battle, you know, battle royale fighting games could be, and uh-huh. he didn't like that. He didn't want his games to be a place where you called people <laughs> uh the F word and like, uh, you know, told someone to get rid of their sloppy balls off their chin. It's really great because I was just talking about the intense amount of shit talk. I mean, Ken on his way out even talked about how like he kind of became the villain and he it's it just started to really wear on him that he would show up to tournaments and people were all cheering against him and he was the guy to beat, you know, and and just the the hate again between the East Coast and the West Coast to the point where when Captain Jack showed up from Japan to battle Ken, they were rooting. The East Coast guys were rooting for Captain Jack over Kent. Like they would, they're taking East Coast pride over country pride. As the scene <laughs> evolves, know? like a very important thing happens, and I, I like, I almost want to end on that point. Um, but uh, so in Brawl, what Sakurai and his team did is they took out all of the exploits, all the movement exploits, they... L cancelings, uh, all those different little uh, things that were completely taken out. Um, they added even more chaotic elements, like even crazier stages and um, 
the assist trophies, which was just, if you thought the Pokemon were bad, here's like 19 other crazy ass things running around. They, uh, they, it, wait, did they add assist trophies in this one? Maybe it not. was, it was slower. It was, it, it was just, just in every way, essentially nerfed to make it like but not the a competitive most game. insulting feature. The one that like truly like, like to the competitive scene, uh, like was a mark of just how like hated they were was tripping. Tripping was a mechanic where one out of 20 times your character was running on the stage, they would literally just fall over ha. randomly. Ha. Like, just taking any sort of idea that this is a battle of two people at the peak of their abilities and being like, <laughs> all is chaos, nothing matters. <laughs> And and thus the the that was the end of the golden age and the entrance into the dark age. By the way, shout outs to Isai, uh, PC Chris, Korean DJ. Um, actually, we'll be talking about Mewtwo King in a little bit when we get to the five gods, the robot, uh, otherwise known as the robot. But uh, there were so many people in that time of melee history that were just. So, so huge and, and making the scene huge. Just these really great characters. Um, also, Sam Ox uh, is the guy who made the Smash Brothers. I just want to give him credit where credit is due as well. But now we enter a phase where it's 2008. Melee is not in any tournament for over a year because of Brawl. Um, because you need Nintendo's permission to have like an official MLG tournament. Of your game. And and the big hitters I was just mentioning, Korean DJ, Ken, Azen, they all start to kind of slow down because of this. They all start to kind of kind of cool on the scene a little bit. But um thanks to a Smash player named Alucard, it was uh there was a tournament called Revival of Melee. And this tournament actually hosted all five of what are referred to as the five gods who start to emerge around this time. And those five gods were Mewtwo King, Armada, Hungry Box, Mango, and PPMD. And by the way, just for reference, uh, Armada got second in uh, 2018 Evo Smash Melee. Hungry Box was the dude I was watching play. I like Hungry Box. I think he was playing against Leffen, who ended up winning, who is not technically one of the five gods, but he's uh, close enough. Well, fucking, he, okay, Leffen just won yes, Evo. he just won 2018 And he beat, Evo. he was known as the God Slayer, because he had defeated all five of these yeah, guys. Yeah, And, like, now the talk is, has Leffen fucking ascended? Ascended has out. Has he become the sixth? <laughs> um, so, let's, Oh, but, like, mm -hmm. so... Here's the thing is each of these guys have like really unique personalities, really unique play styles. Uh, like, uh, you know, Mewtwo King was this like very, I don't like, he was a very spectrum kind of guy. They yeah. called him the robot. Uh, AKA M2K. He's out of New Jersey, started playing competitively around 2005. Uh, he's known for his chain grabbing, camping and comboing skills. He's also known as a dude who literally like when he showed up to play competitively, he had only been playing against the computer up until that point. So he had like robotically learned how to beat the computer like perfectly. But now that he was playing real opponents, he that's when he started getting organized. That's why he's very known for like optimizing play. He would sit down 
and it's all online, but he, he created all of this frame data for Melee. He went in there with a fucking just like like a surgeon he got in there and just started digging out all the little ins and outs of all the characters in Melee to really get to the science of it. He's a Marth main, argued the, arguably the best Marth in the world. Also plays Sheik, Fox, Mewtwo, and Pichu. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's a total legend. Then you also have Armada. Uh, the Armada is a Peach and Fox main from Sweden. He's known as the low-tier god, especially because of his use of Peach. Peach is known to be a lower-tier character. By the way, when we say oh, tier... yeah, we should talk about the tiers. Yeah, we, we say tier. This is a fighting game. Uh, this is fighting game talk. Tiers, essentially... Um, are when people get into debates and arguments about which characters are more optimal for play than other characters, um, they start creating a tier list. And top tier characters uh, are essentially... Uh, the ones that appear as tournament winners. To people appear, win appear tournaments to be the these. most optimal characters to play on a professional level. And low tier characters are known as those ones that like, oh, you picked that character as a joke. Or it's just a flawed character. There's something wrong with it or something that holds it back from being able to dominate. And these tiers have shifted radically All over the, the course time. of the history of the game. And these uh, players shift those tiers themselves. They show up with a, with a main and, and show everybody how that character is actually a top-tier character. Um, there, You know, something will happen where, uh, you know, uh, Link was actually a high-tier character early on, and then he kind of faded into obscurity. Characters like Yoshi was considered, like, completely unviable. And then, like, Amsa com- comes out, beats Mewtwo King, one of, like, the most flashiest upsets in the history of the game um it's it's these people are like discovering new techniques with these characters and even though right now well maybe not right even though characters like uh marth and jigglypuff and fox are like dominant now someone could come out of nowhere and just figure out the mr game and watch like meta that just disrupts everything. Exactly. Not really. The year will be twenty XX. Everyone only plays Fox. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, uh, another example. They play rock pe- paper scissors to see whoever gets port one because in uh, Smash Brothers, if inputs uh, are hit at the exact same time, it defaults to port one first. <laughs> Uh, another example for this is Hungrybox, who came out with Jigglypuff. Jigglypuff was was uh, considered a, a weaker character, and he actually ter- turns Jigglypuff into a top-tier character. Hungrybox comes out of Orlando, Florida. I get very Justin Wong vibes from him. He's known for his defensive, conservative play style. He'll but- flat-out flat run away from someone if they're getting too aggressive. And like refuse to like engage with them just to like make sure that their heat dies down. He relies heavily on Jigglypuff's ability to weave through opponents in the air and set up blockades with several consecutive and well placed back aerials. He's he's uh, also considered one of the best of all time. Like I said, when I was talking about watching Melee the other day, I was watching him. He's also like kind of a conservative guy. He like you know likes to, uh, at least at the uh, at the time we're talking about had like a very like straight laced kind of uh, presentation about him. Which is why I love is all these guys personal. Now these come out in their play, right? Mm-hmm. The robot, this kid who's like this uber nerd, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and he 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 looks like that kid would would play. And then on the other end of that hungry box spectrum, you've got Mango, aka Scorpion Master, aka the kid, aka the goat, aka the Buster out of Cali. He's known for uh, to play multiple characters competitively, you know, credit uh, uh, all over the place. People don't, you know, he he just sends wild shit out there for you. Kind of counters Mewtwo King and Hungrybox in a lot of ways because of that. 
Um, and he's also kind of a giant troll. He was banned from the Smashboards apparently for trolling and being rude to the mods. Oh, he was the Dennis Rodman of right? fucking and of he, the five guys. And he decided to start sandbagging tournaments by showing up under an alias Scorpion Master ninety four <laughs> uh, at, at a bunch of different tournaments. Um, uh, and along with like some of his other buddies in the SoCal scene, they made a whole backstory for his alias that he's a prodigy from Mexico named Joshua Lopez who only plays. Mario, um, a really fascinating dude, and he was, I think he came in seventh, I believe, um, at 2018 Evo, so he's still in the game in a huge way. Then, uh, to round it out, the fifth uh, of the of the gods is PPMD, uh, used to be known as Dr. PP, changed his name in 2014 when he got sponsored by an esports organization called Evil Geniuses. They were probably just like, can you change it off of Dr. PP? <laughs> he mainly mains Marth, and he's renowned for a strong mental game and extremely threatening and precise dash dance spacing, both of which are part of his mildly aggressive playstyle that is very conservative and methodical compared to other top players. So all these dudes just dominating everywhere they go. Every, every tournament that... At least two of them are in. They have always won. At this point, the Fox meta kind of uh, arises. Uh, Fox is, if, uh, you know, Fox is the SS tier. This is where that, uh, you know, final destination, no items, Fox only thing comes from. Uh-huh. Fox is an incredibly technical character to play. He's incredibly fast. And so he's currently regarded as the number one uh, character in Melee. And it's when you see a game where someone is playing high level Fox. It stops becoming a fighting game and more like becomes an aerial dogfight with like fucking F-35 hyper jets. <laughs> it is the amount of like movement and control and just like speed on display is overwhelming. There's a lot of, by the way, and I think this is even more so than most fighting games. There is a lot of fast finger movement happening in a melee game. It is like you, it's kind of got that vibe I get from Counter-Strike where it's like, if you don't have the, you, you, if you have to have the fast hand-eye coordination for this, you can't just. It's less like Counter-Strike and it's even more like League of Legends. It is Uh about getting the actions down, like it is about executing as accurately and as effectively as possible and like just clicking and getting as much information through the controller into the machine yeah. as fast as possible. It, it's it's pretty incredible. With just, perfection. With just no to like, miss. If yeah. you watch hands, like pro hands play Smash, they're going to be all gangly and weird looking. But they are <laughs> like moving. A, like spiders at the end of the wrists. <laughs> they move at an incredible speed. It's pretty amazing. So these guys. By the way, if you're a fan of the melee scene and you've like been with it for so long, thank you for forgiving our butchering yeah. slapdash. This is, we're trying to get people on board. We're trying to like <laughs> give you a baseline understanding. I'm sure we miss stuff, you know, uh, but I'm not even going to be a Joe right now. By the way, do you know the no Joes thing? Hit me with that no Joe. No mojo. Joes means is the is referring to if somebody like when they lose are like, oh, I just haven't had any sleep or uh, the controller's fucked up or there's some lag on the TV screen. If they had just a million excuses for why they lost that me- melee match, they, they then that's when you turn to them and say no Joes. No Joes. What's that these- a reference to? I, I, they, I don't even think they explained it. In the, they could explain it in the documentary. It just started. It's just one of those organic things that came about. Maybe there was a kid named Joe that was, always had an excuse. I don't know what it is, but whenever someone starts doing that, you gotta you say no, Joe's. 
<laughs> so during this time, these five gods really keep this thing alive in a huge way. Like these, these are underground tournaments. It's crazy. They went back to the underground. They got huge and then went back to the underground. And what? And, and usually the scene would just fall apart after that. But no, they kept it fucking rolling all the way up until 2013. What were you gonna say? Uh, not only were they keeping they were keeping it underground in terms of organization, but in terms of online presence, they were meticulously like making sure that this stuff got archived and streamed. Yeah. In- individual crew would like make tour vlogs and like you know it was it became something that you could it was a pastime that you could spend every day being uh, keeping up with, which is very important for keeping a scene kind of cohesive. Of course. And and while this is happening, Nintendo is trying to stop it at every turn. You know, the pro pro level, they're trying to they're trying to disregard it at every turn because they want everyone to move on. Like I said, when the new game comes out, generally everybody in the FGC moves on to the new games. They don't want to stay in the past at all, except for Melee. It's the one little game that could, which is incredible because it was also the one game that it's in tournaments that wasn't designed to be a tournament game. Like that's like there's so many unbelievable aspects to how this game is still in Evo 2018. It's fucking nuts. And like I said, you know, Nintendo still is going to try to keep it out of the tournament scene. Um, next year, it's going to be really hard to keep Melee on Sunday Grand Finals. As a primetime Sunday grand final game. When Smash Ultimate is out when there. When Smash Ultimate's out there, Nintendo's going to do everything they can to keep Melee out of that pocket. I mean, pocket. from this past Evo, uh, you know, Smash Melee had Leffen's, like, incredible uh, showdown. Was it against Hungry Box? Uh, no, Leffen and Armada, Armada were, were right, the grand right. finals. Um, Armada, the low-tier god. Um, and... Uh, but I think Hungrybox was third, so I don't think you're totally off. Meanwhile, in the Smash Four tournament, people were like walking out of the th- walking out of the arena and booing the grand finals because it was two Bayo characters that were literally trolling the audience by two, refusing to fight for a full minute. It was but, two bayonettas, and they were buddies, and half the arena stormed out on them because they were dicking around, like letting each other kill each other, and just fucking off because they were like quote unquote buddies. But it just showed. Such a lack also, of respect. They, well, they weren't being. I I haven't kept. You know, I bought Smash Four for the 3DS, and like there was a solid two months where we play it around at the Dorkley offices, and then I just kind of put it down mm-hmm. and forgot about it. And so I haven't kept up with the DLC characters. But Bayo is apparently broken. It's you know Bayonetta. Yeah, everybody knew there were going to be two Bayonetta Bayonettas at the. Uh, at the grand finals, and and then there were because it's like yeah, that's like the clear cut top tier. And everybody always roots for the, you know, everybody wants to see something new. Everyone wants to see something exciting. Nobody wants to just see that, like, the raw math on, you know, means that this character is going to. Right. And then just to have these two guys fucking off. And it's like, dude, people traveled here all the way from Japan to be competitive in this. They traveled all the way out to be in Las Vegas and they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't come to get booed. Yeah. yeah, Well, yeah. Well, play the game then. Don't don't be a clown. Fucking play the game, ass. You're in a you're an Evo. Like, (laughs) Like, I get it, dick around, like, in a other, some other, this is literally the most important fighting game tr- competition of the world, and this is probably the game that is taken the least seriously, and you're gonna do this? Hmm. For what, to what end? You know? So that we can continue to, to say dab fuck on this the haters. game. To dab on them haters, baby. So speaking of Evo, um, 
2013, Evo holds a contest uh, oh, that is donation based. This was back in 2013. Yes, this is 2013. God, I know, right? They add a contest that is donation based uh, to let an eighth game get into the tournament. I believe it was between Melee and Skullgirls. I believe those were the two mm-hmm. that were the closest. But there were organizations such as Melee It on Me, which is um, a uh, podcast series leading to a large Melee Facebook group. Melee It on Me, uh, where they raised almost ninety five thousand dollars to make this game uh, to make Melee a part of the competition and after that the game drew 709 entrants making it the biggest Melee tournament of all time surpassing the previous record by twice as many entrants which just shows like holy shit people still really give a fuck about Melee also uh, Melee comes back into style around 2013 largely due to the documentary I was referring to the Smash Brothers by Samix uh, oh, the other thing about the uh, the charity poll is even though uh, Melee won, Nintendo squashed it and said, no, it's not going to happen mm. for about four hours until the massive backlash online made them retreat. They tried to get the keep the game from being able to be streamed. It's so great. It's their own game. And they're trying to take it down. It's so It's a game that's not in production anymore. Yeah. I, I think we'll end on like the actual tenuous state of continuing Melee sure. as, it's, as it stands. So 2014, we've got the summer of Smash. There's huge turnouts for uh, for every big fighting game tournament. Smash has like a giant turnout. Evo 2014 attracts almost 1,000 entrants to play, just shattering records left and right. This is, uh, you know, 13 years after it came out. I mean, incredible shit. And I just can't uh, emphasize that enough, how a bizarre and uh, how much of an anomaly that is, you know? Uh, like, this is It's like if all of a sudden there was, of. people were just like, just going nuts for uh, what's what's the what's the funniest obscure fighting game I can think of? Uh, uh, Eternal Champions is a good Sonic one. Sonic the Fighters. <laughs> People are no wait. Uh, Play uh, Fighters. Fighting Vipers. People are bringing in their Sega Saturns <laughs> and being like, "We're all about those Fighting Vipers." Um, and uh, so yes. Nintendo does try to halt the streaming of it and for it to be even be in the tournament in 2013, but at least in a sign of good faith, president of Nintendo of America, uh, Reggie himself, in 2014, steps out to congratulate the players, showing a, li- a new sign of support from Nintendo, showing at least a little bit of an outreach there. Um, also, you've got, we already talked about Leffen, there's also another dude who's hot on the scene, his name's Pulp. Um, Pulp, they, I believe? I think it's, I thought it was Pulp. Well, either way, um, he comes out of Florida and is known as the best chic player in the world. Um, and uh, Leffen is, of course, from Sweden, top Fox player, very well-rounded game, fantastic neutral game who rarely overextends. These two dudes start really making waves. There's also uh, what is referred to as the seven demigods. So shout out to those dudes, Wizrobe, AMSA, AMSA, uh, Axe. S fat S F A T crush Zane and S two J. These are the dudes that can take some games off of the five gods, but aren't quite on that level that they are, but they are also huge on the scene. It's a sign of honor to take even a single game off of a uh, top tier player. 
And um, and the scene is still alive and well today. And that is what brings us up to me in the middle of the afternoon, you know, probably playing like Overwatch or Street Fighter or something and looking over and seeing this game from 2001 uh, in an arena full of people being taken very seriously with that beautiful music. Uh, Mary, if we could get some of that music right now. And it just leads to, and it's just such an epic, incredible story of a game that never should have ever reached this level on any side of it. Like, no, you know, other than just the people who love it, supporting it and continuing to let that, that support and that competition grow and, and, and never letting go of, you know, not letting these Nintendo's and the major league gamings of the world dictate what they would rally around and take seriously. It's a cool, weird rebellion, and it's still going on, and we're still watching the story unfold. Like you said, with um, the new Smash coming out on Switch. I mean, what do you think here? I mean, do you have you looked into it at all? I, uh, you know, I, 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 I know that people were very excited about the characters being announced and everything. Do you think they'll bring back some of these things in order to try to wash melee away? I mean, you can watch footage of Smash Four, and you, it's just not the same. It doesn't have that. Insanity. So this is like the Ultimate Smash is going to be pretty much Smash Four with just all the characters. Everyone is from here. every Smash. Everyone is here. Uh, is that they, what they're claiming well, they it just, is, or is it they, a different? On Smash the day game? we're recording, first of all, they're still like not officially saying like you know. I don't think they want to officially say a reboot. Um, okay. Or a remaster. Okay. Uh, they just added a bunch of different modes. They just added a bunch of. Uh, they're still adding new characters. On the uh, day we recorded, there was a Nintendo Direct. Simon and Richter Belmont uh, just got added to the game. Yes, I um, saw that. Also, um, what's his name? King Croc. Is that King is that his K. name? Rool. King K. Rule. Sorry, King Croc. Uh, which between Rip- Ripley and K. Rule, like now they're just adding like characters that people were just joking about wanting, <laughs> which is insane. Um, there's over a hundred stages on this. The fact is, is that it's melee will melee just looks like melee is a better competitive game. It's a, the higher level difficulty as you know, people watch sports because they can't, you know, slam, they can't like launch a slam dunk from like the foul line. Uh, you know, they want to see people at the height of their abilities do things that they couldn't. But here's the thing. This is, a game from 2001. You know, there's only so many functioning GameCubes. There's only so many functioning uh, Wiis. There's only like, hell, this is actually what's even crazier. The CRT monitor. Uh, the game on this high level of play, uh, the lag that it takes to convert a analog console signal to digital to display on a modern television is too great Yeah. for... Um, you know, people where, you know, a seven frame difference is what matters between uh, landing the next attack and like getting stuck in an animation. And so they can only play on CRT monitors. They don't make those anymore. Yeah. And yeah. the ones that exist, 
degrade over time. Mm -hmm. So there's literally just not going to be a way to play the game. And the other thing is also the the, specificity of the is ticking away on this game, and nobody quite knows what to do about it. I just why Nintendo shuts down any mods. There was Project M, which was incredibly successful. A uh, collaborative effort to kind of tweak Brawl, which is made for the Wii and can work better with uh, digital. Uh, why, why, why won't Nintendo just make a like? I'm all right. The 20 year anniversary is coming up. The scene is still alive and well. I, I, I'm, I'm secretly because hoping because everyone because Sakurai didn't want to make this game. I'm secretly hoping in Nintendo 2021, didn't want to make the, They Nintendo wanted to make the Jackbox Party Pack with punching. You yeah. know, they wanted to make Mario Kart. With like kicks, they we've don't got, want. We've, we've got a, a twenty-year anniversary coming up, and I'm just thinking the best move would be like a Smash Box, where it's melee with the GameCube controller. Because that's the other crazy part. You need the GameCube. Oh my controller. god! If they if they made the GameCube Mini and it was just oh, the Smash Box, yeah. I didn't even think about that because I was just thinking about like it's just a pack-in. It's the controller with melee for. Um, the for the switch, you know, but even then the emulation would have to be pitch perfect. Yeah. I don't remember what the controversy was. Please excuse my rambly half memory. But there was a thing, I think last year where uh, a uh, player just dropped out of a tournament because he had forgotten to bring his specific controller and his gameplay style was reliant on a manufacturing quirk within GameCube controllers that huh. made the analog sticks like function a microsecond difference. Yeah. And he didn't. And it was like, well, if I don't even, you know, if I yeah. don't have that, then why bother? I right. can't like then I'm not playing at my height. And that's right. what I came here to do. Right, right, like, right. This is how granular and specific people There's have. Like, also the element of. That people, there's the debate out there too that is Smash even a fighting game? Which is a funny argument out there, debate out there um, about just kind of the, the dynamics of it. And I is feel like a, that's an old argument. I feel like Melee is too big. Enough people have seen it, oh, but yeah, it can and be. I think distilled, I mean, I think it's different types of games depending. I mean, the, that was the argument I would have made back when it was crazy old Melee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's the thing. I think it's it, it changes form depending on you know which way in what way it is played. Um, but anyways, it's it's a fascinating story that's continuing to evolve, and it's literally like the power of the people create like continuing to create this surge in um in in on a game that is just unheard of. And I'm so happy we got to do this episode. It's been fucking fantastic researching all of this, and now um. I'm kind of bummed Evo's over now because I would have been like way more invested in those uh, top eights it's for also, Melee. <laughs> what also makes it amazing is, you know, Dragon Ball the Fighters, Street Fighter V, uh, all the anime games. You can like get really good playing online. You can like yeah. get incredibly, you can get like tournament ready playing online, but there is no way to practice Smash Brothers Melee unless, unless you, you go, go out. Yeah. And and meet people in person and, and, you know, and again, hence the shit talking. You know what I mean? Like it promotes that. So anyways, uh, yeah, I think that's it for me, Jake. Did you have anything else before uh, before we close it out? Uh, We were going to cover this whole franchise. We were going to try and honestly. uh, Melee is the reason for the season. Yeah. I, we, we we can talk. I was thinking. Well, we might do some bonus talk on on the new Smash and everything happening. And but but Melee is where it's at. So I want to give Melee the credit it deserves and do an entire episode just on that. Uh, it is a fascinating fucking story. 
crazy on Melee, man. Uh, check us out on Patreon if you'd like to support us even more so than you already do by just listening to this fucking podcast. You can check us out on uh, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. And if you'd like to check me out on Twitch, you can go to twitch.tv forward slash holdinators ho. Uh, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes if you haven't. Uh, it helps us out immediately. It helps us in the rankings. It helps us find new listeners. And the more listeners we have, the more random people that you'll see your uh, whiz- Wizard Bruiser t-shirt and go, hey, I know that show. Do you like the whiny one or the other whiny one? <laughs> <laughs> Follow uh, me on Twitter at Best JPM. Hell yeah, everybody. Thank you and have a good one. <laughs>